Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, Almighty God, for gathering us here in this place. May your spirit fill our lives so that we can fill your world with love. In Jesus' name, amen. So I might have mentioned this. Last Saturday, I performed a, a wedding ceremony. And while I was there, uh, one of the wedding coordinators asked me how many weddings I've done. Now, there are some pastors that are extremely organized. My father was like this. He, he actually kept a record of all the services like that he did. I, I ain't that guy. So I'm, I'm assuming and estimating that somewhere around 100 or so weddings in the course of a 21-year career. That seems somewhat reasonable. And so in them, honestly, some of them are pretty memorable, but some of them have sort of, you know, drifted off. I mean, just sort of molded together because, you know, it's 100 weddings. But some of these weddings really stand out. Now, there's one particular I did about seven years ago. And in that wedding, it was at uh, Stony River, which is, if you don't know, it's a venue right by, it's on Gervais Street. It overlooks the Gervais Street Bridge. Um, and, it, and it's a gorgeous venue. And you have the inside place, you know, for the reception or for meals or a service if need be. And you have the outside uh deck area it's not really a deck but it's like a, a big patio and as you see it to the back of usually where the bride and groom stand it's just the beautiful view of the river and and the bridge is it's breathtaking so as Stacy and I go into the to the venue that day of the wedding things were a little more stressful than usual there's always a lot of stress that goes on right before a wedding but this time was a little it was a little antsy because you see they all had their phones out and they were following the weather because this was a July wedding which means one of two things in South Carolina one it's going to be really hot and two there's a good chance it's going to rain and it was all of the above that day it was really hot but it was cooling off quickly because of a massive storm front that they were tracking that was coming in and so the wedding planner was there with the family and they were trying to figure out plan A and plan B now plan A was definitely the original it was all set up there was a beautiful trellis and you know I would be standing in the middle and the bride and groom would be here and all the people would be sitting under this covered porch area plan B was to take all of that move it inside and have the wedding and not worry about the weather at all but they didn't have a plan C you see, plan C is what's going to happen if that weather, that threat of a storm, comes to fruition in the middle of the service. What's going to happen then? Well, some pastors aren't so lucky, but me, I brought my wife, who came up with a plan. Because in that, in that venue, you see, the, the people, the congregation was under the, uh, under the overhang, but there in the entrance, it looked like a beautiful little alcove. And so if it rained in the middle of the service, we were just going to switch. And so the people would turn their chairs around and we would be at the front. Here was the plan. So the service starts off and 
the wind picks up. And this beautiful trellis was flying all over the place. Two groomsmen had to stand and hold it down. And I'm preaching this sermon, which was a fabulous sermon that nobody heard. Because for one, the, the wind was blowing onto the mic the entire time. And for two, the whole congregation wasn't paying attention to me in the least. Because what they were watching was the storm that was rolling in over my shoulder. And you, you know, you ever seen one that you can see from a distance getting closer and closer and closer? That's what was happening. They could see the rain moving towards them. They could see the lightning off in the distance. And it was a heck of a storm that was coming in. And so, right as I finished the incredible sermon that it was that nobody heard, I felt a drop of rain hit. And I said to the bride, it's your call. I wasn't going to make that call. It's her wedding, right? I didn't ask the groom because nobody cared what he thought anyway. So, so she said, yeah, let's go. And so we flipped everything around, and as soon as we all got set, the bottom fell out. I mean, torrential downpour, and nobody got wet. It was amazing. But see, here's the thing. There was a threat, and we planned for it, and we responded. Because that's what you do with threats, right? I mean, it's not just the weather that we have to do that with. Think about it. For your home, there's a threat that people may try to break into your home. So, you plan for it. You have locks, maybe an alarm system, maybe dogs. Some people go to have a little more deterrent in their homes. And then, you respond, right? The alarms go off, dogs go crazy. You know, the police come. That's what happens when there's a threat. If, you're, if you are threatened to lose your job, say, they might go out of business, or there might be cutbacks, or your boss doesn't like you at all. What do you do? You plan and you respond. Maybe you go and you look for a new job or you kiss up to your boss a little bit or you try to make yourself indispensable so there's no way they can get rid of you. If, you're, if your marriage is threatened, well, you, you get help. You try to work things out. You talk to a counselor. That's what happens. But sometimes threats go above and beyond that, right? Things threaten us that, that can impact not only our way of life, but life itself. And when those threats come, then we're forced to respond. And the best way to respond to those is to get rid of the threat altogether, right? I mean, that's what we do. We get rid of the threat completely. And that, my friends, is what we have the potential of seeing in today's gospel reading. You see, Pontius Pilate was questioning Jesus. He was the, the Roman um, procurator who was in charge of the Jerusalem area. Okay? And so this Jesus of Nazareth had been turned over to him, and he was asking him an important question. Are you the king of the Jews? Very important question for two reasons. Number one. If he had said yes, well, that meant that there was a bit of a division among the Jewish people. Jesus was gaining followers by the day, and they already had a king. They had Herod. And so if Jesus was claiming to be king and Herod was claiming to be king, well, there was going to be some division there. And this also brought a little threat to this guy named Caesar, who was the emperor over all of Rome. 
And for Pilate, he was to, supposed to keep the peace there. And it was his job to make sure that happened. And if the peace wasn't going on in Jerusalem, it was his fault. And so if Jesus had said, yeah, I'm the king of the Jews, well, then this problem needed to get, be got rid of. This threat was too big. Jesus' answer was different. He said, you say that I'm a king. But the truth is, if I were the king, my kingdom's not from here. If my kingdom were from here, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. Which got me thinking. Today is Christ the King Sunday, right? Today is the day that we gather here to say that Jesus Christ is our king. Yeah? And do we all agree that Christ is our king? We don't have another king. We're Americans. You know, we got a president, but we don't have a king. And so it's easy for us to say, yes, Jesus is my king. But I'm curious. Would we fight to keep him from being handed over? See, that's a tough question because Jesus and his teachings poses a threat to our very way of life too. Because you see, if we follow Jesus' teachings, it means that we are very different. It, what we do is very different. How we treat others is very different. How we act and think and respond to things is very different. Jesus' teachings threaten our very way of life. Because if Jesus is our king, well, that means that you and I have to look at how we spend our money and how we treat our friends and people who aren't our friends. We have to look at decisions that we make and how we treat our, 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 our own health. We have to take a much stronger look at ourselves if Jesus is our king, don't we? And that threatens our very way of life. So the question is, if Jesus is our king, would we stand up to fight to keep him from being handed over? Or would we, like so many did then, stand back and watch it happen? truth is, we probably wouldn't fight, which is why Jesus is our king. We have a king who doesn't expect us to jump when he says jump. We have a king who loves us. We have a king who, who forgives us for being not so loyal subjects. We have a king who gave his life Not because of anything that he had done, but because of all the stuff that we do. We have a king who loves us and saves us. That is our king. That is the king that we're called to follow. Most kings have servants. Our king came to serve. And as his followers, that's what we're called to do in response. You see, we have a very special king. We don't have a king that lords it over us. We have a king who is the Lord. Who created all the world and remember to create you and me. And make us as special as we are. 
That is our king. And yes, being his follower does change our lives. Yes, it means that we are called to plan and respond. And the response that we give is the love that we share. That is because Jesus is our king. And because Jesus is our king, that changes everything. Eternal live the king. Amen.